Welcome back to Let Me Be Brief. I am your co-host, Andy Rieger, joined as always by my good buddy, Matt Basinger from Swell Spark. We are in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode, as always, is brought to you by Emprise Bank, member FDIC, a bank whose mission is to empower you to thrive. We have a great guest today, Gwen Thomason from Hygiene's Janitorial Service. Gwen, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Gwen, how long have you been with Hygiene's? Being that I was born into it, <laughs> my dad started in 1969 right after he got married. I was born in 71, so been in the business that long, uh, around it at least, and been the director of it for the last 10 years. Amazing. So let's walk backwards a little bit, though, because obviously we, we usually talk about how you get into it quite a bit more. We will we will do that with sure. you. But what, what do you all do? I think there's probably assumptions when you hear janitorial services, but I, I think it's fair to say that there's a lot more that goes into it than maybe what meets the eye. There is a, it's not a really complicated business, honestly. Um, we're a full service commercial cleaning company. Um, you come in, your trash is emptied, your toilet, you have toilet paper. I mean, that's us. Um, Even in the midst of the COVID pandemic? We never your, ran out wow, for any okay. of our customers. So <laughs> I do have to ask a question okay. there about the toilet paper. Sure. Forgive me for cutting you off. So I had a theory that all of the good toilet paper was gone because everyone was home and at home, everyone buys the good toilet paper. But when people are at work, works use a lower grade level of toilet paper. Correct. Correct. <laughs> it was like, just like trading cards. It was. It's like, I'll give you a bottle of alcohol for a box of Charmin toilet paper. Yes. It was a high, it was actually a really high commodity. All of, all of the supplies were in the sure. last year. Hand sanitizer, soap, all of that. So yeah. um, we really just look at ourselves as a partner though for properties, facilities, schools, universities, hospitals. Um uh, just a full-blown partnership when it comes to keeping your facility clean. Um, Business Journal ranked us number four in Kansas City, and that's alongside uh, nationwide franchises wow. and nationwide companies. So that's kind of what we do, um, but I would say we focus on customer service. Sure. And so how many, how many folks are you serving in Kansas City? Oh, gosh. Well, businesses, businesses yeah. schools, whatnot. Oh, probably over... I think the last count, we don't count our businesses that much, but okay. I would say it's over 1,500 businesses Holy right here in Kansas smokes. City. Yeah. And, and so what is the real model then? So the businesses hire you and they put you on a plan of either one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. You know, it, exactly. are, do you guys go in? Are you there in the daytime? Do you have nighttime? It's just like specified, totally different. With you just described business. our whole business. That's everything. Um, we do exactly what you said. Uh, it's really up to the customer. They come to us once a month. They might want it cleaned. They might want it cleaned twice a day. Mm -hmm. They want somebody there 24 hours a day sure, and 24-7. So um, it's really up to the business and the scope of work that they put out there for you. And then you look at it and you think what it's going to take to staff it. And there's the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go backwards just a little sure. bit, and Andy, feel free to cut me off, but there are not very many generational businesses, I think, just uh, across the board. That's something that's not happening as often as it used to, right? I have three young kids. I'm like, which mm -hmm. of my kids is going to take over mm -hmm. axe throwing, you know? Um, did you know at a young age that this was what you wanted to step into and continue, or how did you progress into the role that you have now? Um, not at all. I didn't think, you know, I don't think anybody grows up and thinks, I want to, you know, run my dad's cleaning company. Mm -hmm. I want to be a janitor. Um and I've kept that mentality for other people coming into my business. How do I get people, you know, because nobody grows up thinking I want to be a janitor. Sure. Um, but, you know, I raised my kids and I was selling real estate um, in 05 and I sold it for about three years. And when I say raising, they were in school, I should say. Sure. 
And so I told my husband I wanted to work. So I sold real estate, loved it for Century 21. And then in 09, my dad approached me and said, you know, what would you think of coming to work uh, at Hygiene's? He was kind of at a crossroads, just a lot of things changing then. You know, that's when the financial things were changing. Um, so, you know, I said, well, well what's it pay? And <laughs> what exactly would I be doing? And I haven't turned back. Wow. I managed for maybe two years and then became our director and started having a real vision for where this next generation would go. So my other sisters joined in. Um, there's three of us, and we all work in the company. And I'm our director. The other one's director of purchasing, and then the other one's director of HR. So um, they came in later, maybe the last couple years. Yeah. But that's kind of the story of the second generation. But we're excited. So, so let's sort of talk about that because that's an interesting point to really get on is you, you just talked about sort of the transition going from first to second generation. What have really been the biggest things that in stepping into shoes of the first generation and then making it the second generation's way, what have been the real changes that you've implemented thus far? Well, when I first came in, um, you know, my dad and I have a lot of the same personality. We, we work a lot the same. We have a lot of the same people skills and things like that. But, you know, when you're a lot the same or similar, you, you tend to actually, you know, rub each other wrong because it's like you're both the same. So it was a little bit difficult at first, you know, and it's his baby. He got it that old. And so then now it's like, you know, how do you really hand it off and how you trust somebody? Yeah. And a girl in this business, on top of that, a woman in a service business. I mean, I don't know how many times I go to functions, and I'm the only, you know, women, woman-owned business of a janitorial service. Is Jean? No, no. <laughs> it'd be a lot easier if it was, sure. honestly, you know. <laughs> but um, my dad's name is Jean, okay. <laughs> so um, they usually are like, "Oh, she's Jean's daughter." You know, that was for a long time. Yeah. But um, so just going into the second generation, it it just became that one of the changes I did right away is. My dad had not done anything with branding or logo or anything like that. Um, he had – that was just the way it was back then. It was just functioning. Um, so I came in with the logo of the H and the G, kind of like an element, came the cleaning element, and then just branded it like crazy. Sure. And even more so. So that was one of the main things I did. I came in with a so – started using a software program for um, tracking uh, work orders and things like that because it was just getting too big mm -hmm. to where we needed something to track. We needed software. We needed – a system. So some really big changes kind of started happening, yeah. but so it's been good. With those changes, has there been growth over the season that you've kind of taken over the leadership role? Uh, like what are, I guess, what have the last couple of years looked like? And then what do you anticipate for the next handful of years? Um, you know, I think since the last 10 years, I think we grew by maybe 30%. Wow. And it was just really due to a lot of extreme marketing and, mm -hmm. and, and organic growth, too. I mean, when you're a business that has a reputation, and my dad built that, it doesn't just go away if you can maintain that. And so, um, you know, I just see it growing. The last year, um, 2020 put cleaning on the map. All of a sudden, we're the cool people, you know. Yeah. We weren't before then. <laughs> we still aren't that cool. But um, I think you're pretty cool. <laughs> Andy is not, though. We, we can all agree with that, at least. That's fair. But it put cleaning on the map, and I think it's made – People have a heightened awareness of it, heightened sure. appreciation for it. Um, I've yet to see the heightened uh, price tag on it, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that'll come. Yeah. So yeah. You, you said a little bit earlier, just talking about, um, you know, some of the difficulties are staffing and that's a big indicator as to if you can or can't grow. What has it been like in this labor market for you to either grow or maintain 
with how tight the real labor market is, especially in, you know, the janitorial services jobs. Right. We're looking at a, an industry where, I mean, it's not a secret that you're looking at minimum wage sometimes and minimum wage is rising and you have contracts that could be long term. How do you how do you navigate that? How do you look at that and staff that realistically? And we are we are having challenges, um, especially this past year with um, unemployment and things like that, that paid people really a higher wage than minimum wage to stay home. So um, but at the same time, with being a company that's been around 52 years, I keep I just nail that down all the time. But um, if you want to clean, a lot of times people want to clean for hygiene. So we really haven't had any staff shortages. I mean, I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know where the future. I think that's what I'm looking at is just really retaining staff. I never want to lose one person. Um, So, but it's definitely a challenge and I don't, yeah, I don't, minimum wage is just going to keep going up. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely a a new part of our navigation. You you mentioned that people want to clean for hygiene. They do. And so what, what is it that makes your company different that separates you from other folks who are in this industry? You know, it's just, it's a family-run company. Um, I've got employees that worked for my dad. I've got people that have worked for hygiene for 25, 30 years. And that's that's pretty unbelievable in this kind of industry. Um, We just appreciate them. They are part of, uh, you know, we look at every single person. um, You know, I don't look at every single person every day, of course, but I've trained my organization to do so and just to be there for them. And I think uh, we've really worked on creating a culture. You know, some companies, they want to uh, kind of just, like, cover the market. You know, they can do everything. They're going to manage property. They're going to do pest control. They're going to do landscaping, a full-service company. You know, and I think that, you know, when I was growing up, there were cafeterias everywhere. But you don't see them anymore because people want an experience. And more so, the younger generation wants it to be an experience. So people, they come to a company that has that, that – We've really tried to create a culture. Um, if you come to my office, you'll see it. And I think that's that's part of it. Sure. The um, So your employees, this is just the fascinating element of it to me, because that's obviously your your ability to grow. Right? Our greatest I mean, tool, right? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't go market if you don't no. have the labor. No. And if you have the labor, then it's up to you to go market. But, you know, one that's, one that's a little bit more difficult to control. So on the staffing side, are your employees, are they employees? Are they 1099 contractors? Do they get a cut of what they are bringing into the company? How do you really look at that model as a whole? Well, we have we have both models. So because over the, the time period of growth, um, you know, we've expanded into the whole state of Missouri. Uh, right now we're doing a project in the Northwest in Washington and Oregon. It took us just up to Anchorage uh, as well. And that's really hard to employ on a, you know, a real employee basis because then you're looking at all the state laws and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we've got 175 employees over that, actually about 180, somewhere on that. We've got probably just as many um, partners that are uh, that contract with us. Um, so we look at really all the models that there are and just try to gain the biggest, you know, what we can to cover, you know, every single contract and different contracts have different stipulations, you know, certain contracts you're in, uh, they're going to say they want it only employed. And we've, we've always honored that, you yeah. know, we look at that as, because that's what your customer wants. You've got to, you've got to meet that expectation. I don't, you just broke my brain a little bit. You're doing work in Anchorage and in Washington state. So that, Correct. I mean, I think until this very moment, I've thought that you, you all were primarily 
Kansas City based, but we are okay. She is. That's what she just said. But, <laughs> but like, what? I guess what or why? Like, how how do you expand from Kansas City into Anchorage? How do you even find those customers? Or are these tenants who also have facilities here in KC? That it was. It's a customer here. That a client of ours here uh, reached out to us and said, mm-hmm. you know, what could you do on this level? And you know, we're performance based. We're yeah. customer service. Well, let's see what we can do. And um, my manager, he's my account manager on that side. Um, we've got a, a great network. Um, we've created it and he's able to, you know, find those partners that can really help. And we, it's really been a smooth transition. It's a temporary project. It's sure. not something that's going to go long-term. It's kind of a, a moving target. And so, you know, as it goes out of the Northwest, it'll come to the Midwest. I've got to the East coast. So, yeah. um, we'll just have to be ready, but so far it's been a good experience, a good a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there room for you to grow another 30% here in Kansas City over the next five years? Or at some point, do you have to scale outside of the metro? I think there's definitely room to grow. Kansas City is on the map now. Um, you can just you can just tell when you're out there. And, you know, I think there's enough. You know, one thing about my dad, he always ha- created a really good relationship, even with competitors. Because he said, you know, Gwynny, there's, and I go by Gwynny, <laughs> um, there's always enough for everybody to clean. He's like, don't worry about it. Don't get caught up in the competition Um, because I'm competitive. Don't get me wrong. So, um, but I think there is room to grow. And I think um, one of the things I did about four years ago is I looked at an acquisition and acquired a company. And that's another way to grow. And so I'm actively always looking for more acquisitions as well. Literally, my next note was M and A. So I I do want to talk about that because that seems like the most logical, easy way to grow. Yeah. but so on the M&A side, which you and just talked about, which right. for those listening, M&A, mergers and acquisitions, you know, when you're looking at acquiring a company or merging with a competitor to be a bigger company, you know, what are the real synergies that you guys would have? Because it doesn't sound like you're very office heavy type business. No. Really, the expenses are the field, the field, mm-hmm. the people that have to be in the buildings and the, right. you know, supplies that have to be at each site. So what is the real, I guess, benefit in your industry on the M&A side? I think it's just a matter of presence and a matter of size. And what happens is, you know, going back to the competition in this business, it's stiff. It's really, really tough. It's a, you know, your margins are very small. And so the smaller companies sometimes, you know, it's really hard. So looking at that and like the one that we acquired, it had already been acquired by the person I acquired it from. But, um, it had a completely different culture, but it was all employees and it worked for certain companies that would, would just be a great fit. So I think I look at that. I look at the, the longevity of the, of the business because if it's a small business that hasn't been in business very long, that's not a good target. So, so you talked about culture there as part yeah. of that acquisition as a consideration. Did you keep that entity's culture and allow them to operate I autonomously didn't. and then you just combine the back end or did you bring them into your culture? Just brought them right in. Yeah, it, just brought, it wasn't a winning uh, that wasn't going to be uh, a culture to promote or, and I didn't feel like it was even helping with retaining what they had. It was just much more corporate. Yeah. It was just, there really wasn't, it didn't have the customer service side at all. So when we took it on, uh, the customers really benefited. And then the person that sold it as well, he did too. And the employees that worked for him and I, they're all still with me. So win, win, yeah, win, it was, it really was. Win, That's yeah. what I want. I want that. It's <laughs> one of the most interesting things that I've, I've learned recently uh, as uh, CEO and always listening to other CEOs talk is um, Disney. 
mm-hmm. actually, um, when Bob Iger was running Disney and he made all of his acquisitions and his first real big one was Pixar. And with Pixar, the biggest issue that they had was the cultural differences between the Pixar team and the Disney team. And neither were negative. It was just completely different. different. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest concern that he and Steve Jobs had before that acquisition occurred was how do we prevent this from changing and becoming Disney? And so that was really the number one consideration that they gave mm-hmm. was we have to do everything we can to ensure that the employees at Pixar know that Pixar is going to remain Pixar and right. it is not going mm-hmm. to be Disney. They just have all the resources yeah. of Disney to work with. So it's probably yeah. a, good, a good jumping off point. We love talking about experiences. You talk sure. about your company being experienced, but this is also, let me be brief. So we try to keep this yeah. thing relatively sure. short. So sure. speaking of experiences though, uh, what is, this is not a business question. Okay. What's the coolest thing that you have ever done? You can't say kids, you can't say getting married, any of that stuff. Like something that you went out and did. Well, before we had kids, my husband and I went to a volunteer construction project in the Philippines. And we, while we were there, uh, you know, you're just busy and sweating and working on a roof doing construction. But we took a little like weekend trip. Yeah. And so some friends there said, hey, we need to go to this Vietnamese refugee camp. The people are great and they're so hospitable. And it was really an awesome experience. We went there. We walked in and it's outside like a camp and they brushed off the they, they shooed the dog off the picnic table and said, here, you guys want pizza. You're from America. We're gonna make you pizza and threw the dough right <laughs> straight on that table where the dog just got off. And oh. and so super hospitable. Pizza was really good. Um, we still ate it. And then the next morning woke up and just went swimming in the China Sea where it was absolutely gorgeous. Wow. And we thought, you know, what an experience. People live in this, you know, rather simple, confined spaces, but in a paradise. And so it was, I don't know, it's stood out to me still. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Well, Gwenny. Gwenny, yeah. If I can call you that now. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. On behalf of Emprise Bank, we really appreciate you being a part of the Let Me Be Brief podcast. Um, thank you to Jay Rieger and Co. Let It Fly Media. I'm with Swellspark and uh, so glad to hear about your growth and wish you all the success as you keep moving forward. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.